uneventful. Uh, honestly, I've just been, I started applying to internships since I'm like, if I can't get a job, maybe I'll just do an internship so I can gain experience um, instead, you know, and stay busy. So I've been doing that. I've kind of been getting some job offers and then they're like falling through the cracks where someone will reach out and be like, hey, like, can you work this time or this day? And then I just never hear from them again. Um, so it's it's a little frustrating or I keep getting job offers for jobs that kind of are shitty. Um, okay. One of them was like a fee for service job, which it's like, why would I drive to Nassau County when I live in Suffolk County just to get paid like $20 for that hour? You know, like I'm spending more money in gas than I am like actually working. So yeah, that's right. been happening. Um, something I like wanted to talk about today, which is kind of like out of the blue. And I'm going to give a really stupid example, but I just figured since this happened, it'd be a good opportunity to talk about it in therapy is I had a pet mouse and he died. And I just like realized I have a lot of strange feelings around death because ever since like Nick and I got into a car accident last month, I think it was like everyone I love, I constantly think about them dying and it's kind of disturbing. Like when I'll be spending time with Nick, my mind will automatically go to what if he's like in a car accident and he dies. And it's just like, I don't think that's normal or healthy. Mm. So I just wanted to know like your thoughts about that. Um, well, where my mind first went is, did you think about that stuff before your accident? Not, not really to the extent right. that I do now. Yeah. I feel like something like that very well could be triggered just because it's very fresh. Is this like something new that has been kind of coming up for you? Is it? Um, with Nick, in regards to Nick, it has been coming up a lot. Um, even my cat, like my mouse dying was sad, but like, I worry about my cat dying because my cat is literally like, as stupid as it sounds, like he's everything in my world. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think I'll mentally be able to handle it if and when he dies. But even before the accident with Nick, like I would always with my mom, sometimes like if she leaves the house, I'm like, she'll never, she's never going to come back. And that's been happening for years. And I don't know if it's related to my dad's death. Obviously it probably is, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that every single time she leaves the house? Almost, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's almost probably like automatic thoughts, right? Yeah. Is it is it like that with anyone else where it's pretty automatic? Or it has been for a few years besides mom? Uh, my grandma. Sometimes like every time we get a house phone call from my grandma – I usually just automatically assume it's her aide and she's going to be telling us that my grandma's dead. So it's just not helpful. And I yeah. don't know how to kind of change that or eliminate them. Mm -hmm. It's It probably is causing you a lot more distress being that it's something that you, you know, decided to talk about. Yeah. Um, why, why decide to mention it now? Well, honestly, not much else has been going on. Like nothing has <laughs> changed in the last week. So it's kind of like, what can I explore today? And since my mouse did die like two days ago, I was just like, 
I'll bring it up in therapy. Uh, but obviously it's different. Uh, like my pet mouse dying than my mom is a huge difference, but it's kind of all connected in the like thought relationship, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry about your mouse. Thank you. How did he die? I think I killed him by accident, oh. which makes it even worse. And that's also what I wanted to bring up is like, I've been using that kind of as an excuse to hate myself even more because I may or may not have killed him. Honestly, I stayed at Nick's from Thursday to Sunday. And the last time I fed him was Thursday. And I looked up in his, um, like on Google, how long can a mouse live without eating? And it said anywhere from two to four days. Uh So he did have like some crumbs and bites of food left in his cage so i figure if he really was super hungry he would have eaten those but i don't know uh-huh. um so that's kind of been hard because i've been using that assumption as like a way to be more critical towards myself and be like you suck you killed your mouse like you're a terrible person so those thoughts have kind of been overpowering the last couple of days honestly oh. And what do you get out of saying that to yourself? I guess validation about the negative feelings I have towards myself. Well, right, because it it makes it true. Your thoughts. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well... Something like that, I think of, like, conditioning, you know. Um, I'm thinking, like, if something were to happen in your life where maybe something kept you safe and it not necessarily was, like, saying kind of negative things about yourself, maybe, like, a different variation of that, you know, that turned into this. Um, But something somehow at one point in your life kept you safe, you know, and it's evolved. Um, and I think now you're sort of at a point where it's obviously not working for you. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it's like, it's come to your attention. And I feel like something like that is, I'm sure I've talked to you about like growing pains. I think you mentioned, have I talked to you about that? Right. Where something might not no longer work for you. Um, and you're growing out of this thing that may have worked for you for a whole bunch of years and for a very long time and for good reason, you know, um, going back to something like that, like a, a coping skill or, or something that protected you, um, is, is like comforting, you know, but if it no longer works for you in different parts of your life, you're sort of stuck looking at this thing and, and trying to keep it with you, you know, trying to keep this baggage, even if it doesn't fit anymore. You know, um, and I think that might be like the, the disconnection there because I feel like it might be something that you it no longer really has a purpose for you, you know, and, and I think finding something in replacement is a difficult thing um, and a very scary thing. But it's not it's it's still able to be done, you know, and I think it just takes some time to be able to find something that works for you. Um, so if this has evolved and it's like, you know, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of negative self-talk, um, which I'm, you know, I'm not sure if it always was something like that, you know, if you can think of 
maybe you growing up um, as an adolescent, um, even younger, if that is something that you've told yourself as a young kid, then then it's been pretty steady. You know, it hasn't really evolved much. Um, but if it was something else that you've told yourself really young and it has sort of taken a different shape, um, it's, you know, that's something to think about. It's something to sort of sit in. Now, can you think of something like that that's maybe been something that has validated you when, when you know, you were younger or when situations were sort of different for you? Well, grief in itself has always been like the worst emotion possible that I have dealt with, not just in death, but like in breakups and things like that. So that's why I've always tried to avoid it. But in terms of like self-criticism, I can never think of a time, except maybe when I was like three years old, where I didn't hate myself. So I think Uh it's been pretty a constant pattern throughout the duration of my life. Gotcha. And when like, say you know, before your, your dad's passing, um, did you look at grief differently? Was it maybe a foreign concept to you? Before my dad died, it was mostly grieving things that I never had versus grieving the loss of something that I did have, such as a person, like grieving people that didn't want to be my friend, let's say in like middle school, grieving, never having been cool, grieving, never having been like I've always been on the chunkier side. So it was always grieving things that I wish I had, but I never got to experience versus the loss of a loved one. Hmm. It's interesting that you use the word grieving, you know, grieving that's something that you've never had, you know, mourning the loss of something that you never had. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Grief. Hmm. I'm, I, not sure where grieving like fits in yet you know like just as far as like understanding the concept of that and for yourself like your own experiences your own exposure to that um my brain is kind of telling me to look at mom for a second and and like what how how maybe learned what grief was and you know maybe how mom dealt with grief herself my mom I wouldn't say, at least from my observation, dealt with her grief. It was more so, my mom's not, I'm sure she has emotions, but she's not an like explicitly emotional person. Like she doesn't talk about her feelings. She doesn't really show her feelings. So it's not like we ever had a sit down talk after my father passed and was like, this is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Uh My mom's not very, um, like, educated, I guess, on what mental health is because she did grow up in a different time, and that was kind of taboo back in, like, the 1960s, you know? So Uh from what my mom displayed, grief was kind of just, like, getting on with your life and not really dealing with it healthfully or learning to cope with it because that was never... Um, displayed on her end to me. Hmm. Did you find it odd? Like, you know, you being a teenager, did you find it odd that she maybe had trouble grieving, you know, the, the loss of your dad? I found it interesting, especially my sister as well, because my sister didn't cry at all when my dad died. So it was 
And here I am like an emotional, like I'm a huge ball of emotions. Like if I'm not crying, like it's not like I'm always crying or displaying emotions. So my mom and my sister, um, it was just interesting because then I felt like something was wrong with me for feeling the extreme emotions that I was experiencing. Uh I understand why my mom acted in the way she did because she was a a single mother now and she had to hold the family together and she couldn't break down, at least in her mind. So um, I just think we dealt with it in very different ways. Right. And would that be your only exposure to grief? Um, In terms of death, like my uncle died Mm -hmm. when I was six. My grandpa died when I was about 10, but I didn't understand death the way I do now. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's my relationship with death is very, I don't want to say strange, but like losing other people for me is extremely the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. But when I think of like myself dying and not in like a suicidal way whatsoever, but I just, it doesn't bother me at all because I'm so comfortable with, like, I'm very spiritual. So I know, like, once I die, like, I'll be okay. Like, I'm not gone forever, you know. But in terms of other people around me dying, or even just, like, breaking up, it's, it's so hard for me to deal with. It's really, like, very uncomfortable for me to grasp that. I think we'll, we'll separate, like, the, the breakups between the, the, dying yeah um just because i feel like it it should be treated differently um so with death with yourself do you find that other people will very much die the same way and sort of end up in a different place like how do you how do you picture that for yourself yeah i know it's all the same but i think it's um It brings more discomfort when I think of other people because I'll still have to be here without them and being without someone that I love is, I think it's hard for everyone, but it triggers a very deep emotional pain for me specifically. Um, So I don't know if that was your question. Mm, No, not necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's good insight, you know? Um, no, my question is, where do you, what, what do you think happens when you die, when you, when you pass, what do you think will happen? Um, I think my spirit will, and to sound like all woo woo, but I believe <laughs> that my spirit will come out of my physical body um, and I will have like an option of whether I want to reincarnate into another lifetime if I didn't um, complete the purpose or the mission that I set out in this lifetime to complete, like if I haven't learned my lessons um, and that doesn't mean like punishment, but I think like I will choose to reincarnate to accomplish what I set out here to accomplish. Or if my soul is at peace and I feel complete, then I will kind of go into the spirit realm or become someone else's spirit guide. It's, it's very much like I am not, I wouldn't say I'm Christian. I wouldn't say I'm Catholic. I would say I'm mostly like I follow the principles of Buddhism um, and then like my own spiritual beliefs that I've learned from mediums and teachers and things like that. So I'm comfortable with that happening, 
um, because I do believe like the physical 3D realm is a lot more painful than the other side. And I believe that like people that have passed on are at peace. It's mostly people that are here in the physical body that aren't at peace. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. And who's to say that if someone is not on the journey of finding peace and what finding what peace looks like for them, as opposed to what it looks like for someone else, who's to say that someone might get there, you yeah. know, if they ever get there. Exactly. Um, I had a feeling that you might, I don't know, like think of being reincarnated and how would you like, would you be reincarnated and reincarnated into like, a different being, you know, as like a human? I'm not sure. It's hard to say. I have worked with like hip hypnotherapists and done past life regressions and things like that, where they have transported me into my past lives. And a lot of things that happened in those lives, like explain why I think I came into this world, like even at the ripe age of like four, I was always very sad. So they kind of explain that to me as like, this is why, because you are carrying pain from your past life into this life. Um, So I don't know if it would be a human or not. Um, It's funny because I've always kind of jokingly said like people that hurt animals or like kill animals, they're going to be reincarnated as that animal that they like killed and hurt as kind of like a karma thing. So I don't know, like hopefully my soul will evolve. Um, but I guess we'll never know. And like everything I'm saying could well be wrong because it's my own belief and my beliefs aren't necessarily truth, but I'm not too worried about it because I just like trust that everything will work out in the end the way it's supposed to. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So do you believe that for others as well? Yes, I do. And uh, I do believe personally that like we leave the earth we die when we're supposed to um so it brings me that brings me a lot of comfort but when I think about like if my mom died tomorrow like I would that would kind of all go out the window because of the Uh like agony that I would be experiencing you know Uh uh-huh right and I think it would be probably shock at first and yeah you know, the like stages of grief mm-hmm. um, would naturally be set in place. But being that your beliefs are pretty rooted in, in like your soul, um, I don't necessarily think that you might have that stuff go out the window. I think it might make sense after the initial like, at the, like the shock, yeah. you know, I think you might make sense of it, um, you know, it's when that day comes. Um, but so is it, do you, do you feel like you're preparing for when that day comes? Because I feel like that's almost like an impossible thing, right? Because yeah. you never necessarily will know how you, say you are detached from that, you know, and say you don't cry about it and you might like, say you never do, you know, um, or you can be a completely like, you can be just like a ball of emotions. Yeah, I don't think you can ever fully prepare for a tragedy like that. Like in your head, you could futurize and like, perseverate about it and have all this anxiety and rumination about it. But then when it actually comes, it's a completely different level, you know? So it's, it's funny. Cause when my mouse died, I was okay for like an hour. I was just like, Oh God, like this kind of sucks. And then like 45 minutes later, just, 
bawling out of nowhere. And I was like, that was interesting how it took like a moment for my brain to process it. So, right. yeah. Hmm. And what did you feel when, when your mouse, when you first figured out your mouse was moved on? <laughs> I just felt really guilty because I blamed myself for him dying, which isn't, it's not probably 100% true because mice live up to at most two years. They don't live any longer than two years. And I've had him for about a year and a half. So he could have been at the end of his lifespan, but I think my like self blame and critic, like inner critic just kind of added fuel to the fire and mm -hmm. kind of use that as an excuse to beat up on myself. So. All right. All right. And that's, th those are, thoughts that ended up creeping in, <clears throat> which it, it, I was going to ask you what the life expect expectancy of a mouse is. Um, but something like that, where it's automatic, um, that you, you, you blame yourself, where you seek validation through yourself. And this is, these are your validating thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And an hour later after, after what, what was your mouse's name? Did you name him? Black mouse. Black mouse. Okay. <laughs> was he a black mouse? He was. <laughs> oh. Um, after black mouse ended up <clears throat> the, uh, the hour after you realized, besides the, like, we'll put the self-blame to the side for a second. The other emotions. What other emotions were you feeling when that happened? Um, besides the guilt, I would say just sadness because he was so cute and um I did feel kind of happy not that he died but um I bought him with my ex-boyfriend and they were gonna feed him to snakes like they were selling those mice in particular to use to feed to snakes um oh. and I just saw him and he had like this little white stripe on his head so I was like, I can't, like, I have to save him. So I know that I gave him a better life because he probably would have lived six months at the most in Petco. Like someone would have bought uh -huh. him to feed to their snake. So I know that I gave him a better life, but it's still like losing anything, a pet, like a friend, a family member. It's all, it's not fun. So. Uh -huh. And I think it's important to be able to bring all of the emotions into the light. Yeah, you know the the sad, the the negative, the good, the ugly, the bad. Um, I feel like if you end up talking about some of the good stuff, you know that ends up happening, or some of the good emotions. I feel like underneath, you know, you'll end up like sort of going back to the bad. Or if you start with some of the the negative emotions, you will you know sort of balance out and and bring some of the good into it as well. Like it's it's sort of sort of underneath everything you know like there's just layers to that stuff um hmm. so in not in dbt but in gestalt um they talk about having ownership to some of the things that you feel so um rather sort of maybe generalizing and saying you know when you feel this um take that a step back you know, and, and experience it with I statements. Um, just because it makes things a little bit, it's like taking 
accountability of, of your feelings, you know? Um, and I think it's a pretty powerful thing just because I think I statements in general are very difficult to make, you know, especially when you're talking about emotions. Um, and when you do feel emotions, when something does come up for you, I would like for you to tell me if you feel it like in a specific part of your body as well. That's definitely, um, that's what Gestalt very much like focuses on is like body concept and, and emotions and really just like intertwining the two, you know? Um, and that would be used in, uh, with a different type of therapy, you know? So um, if we stick with DBT, we'll throw in some Gestalt and, and try and see like if you're feeling you know, emotions in your chest, if you're feeling it in your head, if you're feeling it in your throat, you know, um, cause I think that there, there might be something there with that, you know? Um, so moving back to, uh, with, with grief, when your mom comes home, when she comes back and she's sort of in your sights again, and you realize like she went to the grocery store, she picked something up and she's, she's back and she's okay. Um, is there any thoughts, anything that comes up for you when something like that isn't, or doesn't support your thoughts, you know, like she's back and she's safe and she's alive. Yeah, I think I feel very guilty um, because I think, like, even if I go out, I think I could come home and my mom's dead on the floor and, like, I wasn't home to save her. It's just, like, mm -hmm. crazy thoughts that I don't know if they go through, like, the average person's mind, but um, I feel a lot of guilt when I am with my mom because I think, like, one day she will die and I'm taking her for granted. So it feels like a lot of um, guilt around like taking people for granted because uh -huh. they are alive now, but one day they won't be. Uh -huh. So that's kind of how I feel about that, I guess. If that was the Does that um, if really impact how you interact with her on a daily basis? Is that something that you have sort of in the back of your mind when, you know, you like maybe something isn't working out with you guys and like you end up getting into an argument or something. Does that stuff ever come into your brain? It definitely impacts the way my relationships are. I wouldn't say to a huge extent, but maybe a little bit minusculely, if that's even a word, uh -huh. um, where like I'll be a little bit detached and disconnected. And even in my relationships, like romantic I'll be sitting with a boyfriend or someone and I'll be thinking, oh, like we're together now, but in 10 months, like this person's going to break up with me. So it's always just like futurizing in like the least healthfully way possible, like very pessimistic outlooks. So I kind of stay detached and disconnected from people, which I've been feeling a lot lately especially in terms with my friends like I just don't want to see anyone I don't want to talk to anyone besides Nick um so it's kind of been taking a toll on my relationships in general oh, gotcha so you, I feel like there's a lot of different like conflicting feelings you know like um like you don't want to take advantage of people and anyone that you care about you know you you are worried if god forbid something happens to them um, there's also like the part of 
view that wants to protect others, you know, and might take on the like responsibility of doing so, even if something like that would be completely at like, if, if it wasn't even in your hands, you know, if it was sort of in the hands of the universe, um, that's not something necessarily that would be in your path. You know, it's not something that you would have to go through, but I can understand feeling guilty either way, you know. Um, but with some of your friends, like, you don't want to see them. But you care about them, but you are detached so being detached, where do you think that leaves you with your friends? It's been, like, I've honestly been in a huge funk the last, I want to say since January, after being rejected by so many jobs, it just, like, kind of took its, it, I definitely took a hit. Um, So I haven't been in the best place mentally. And I think we've discussed this in terms of, I feel, like, very um, unfulfilled and, like, not motivated at all. Um, and I just kind of feel like a failure. So it's been impacting my desire, I want to say, to connect with people. Um, and I don't know if it's like a self-protective thing where like if I don't have to care or love or interact with these people, then like if they're gone, it won't hurt as much or something like that. But um, I just haven't, I'm very introverted as it is. So going out isn't my favorite thing to do because I very much easily soak up other people's energy and it can leave me feeling extremely drained very quickly. So I have to kind of be careful with where I put my like energy and attention as is, but my friends have been reaching out and like, I just haven't been as like responsive or one of my friends I used to be really close with was like, we're not as close anymore. And it's just disturbing in the fact that like, I really don't care. Like I've lost a lot of empathy towards other people in a very short mm -hmm. amount of time. Like, I don't care if they don't want to be my friend anymore. I don't care if I ever see them again. Like, and it's just kind of troubling. Cause I'm like, I feel antisocial mm -hmm. <laughs> and not in a good way. So mm -hmm. I don't know. And I that. think your friends might be something that is really the first to sort of go being that it wouldn't have to, it's, it's not something that has to take your immediate attention and energy. Um, so, and, and being that, you know, if you have sort of a self-esteem kick, you know, it, it would make sense where you take that energy away from them and apply it to like, you know, like yourself or, or Nick, like really the little energy that you have, you know, um, applying it to things that really just are like primary rather than secondary, um, which I understand. I get that. Um, and with what you're saying, like if you were to leave them alone and that was to fade, it wouldn't necessarily be like something that you did, you know, it, it sort of just happened and nature sort of took its course and that's just what happened. Um, where you wouldn't necessarily feel guilty. Um, if, you know, it, it, say if you were to go a different route and decide to end these friendships on your own, you know, I think there would be like guilt and, and emotions there, whereas they're not really that present if something sort of happens and, you know, space sort of takes its place. Um, 
But with that being said, like, before you dated Nick, were your friends, like, that brief period of time where you had to yourself, like, in between, you know, relationships, um, were your friends, like, some, someone, you know, people that you leaned on? Yeah, from the time I was single this time last year until November, I was going out quite frequently. But I think it was because I wasn't depressed at all. Like I was in a very good place from, I don't know, April till October. Like I was the happiest I'd been in a very, very long time. So it's interesting because what you said really resonated with me. Like right now I feel so fatigued and like I have zero energy. So I think the idea of socializing, of going out, of spending time with a lot of people it's just unappealing to me because that already takes up so much energy and I just don't really have that energy to give right now. And for Nick, like when I spend time with Nick, Nick is very like highly sensitive and like very empathetic. So it's not draining to be with him at all. Really. It doesn't like, I don't feel like I have nothing left to give, but at the same time, like I don't want to neglect other people in my life which I kind of feel right. like I'm doing. Sorry, my dog. Okay. So I'm thinking like with the people that you have as your friends, do you often find that you, you know, might like whenever, you know, say if you're in a good place uh, mentally, do you feel that they're draining at the end of the day? Like, do you feel like they're taking on their, their energy? Because yeah, that's something to think about. That That would be like the type of people that, might be in your circle you know something that you're catching on to some are definitely more draining than others for sure uh-huh. yeah gotcha gotcha okay um right and like we said if you didn't have that energy to even give what like why show it attention yeah right mm-hmm. uh-huh. right so that's sort of sitting in the dark right now yeah. hmm. okay now stepping away from grief for a second and looking at like relationships, you know, and relationships ending, um, say you reach out to one of your girlfriends and they just, you know, they're not in touch with you anymore. They don't want to stay in touch with you anymore. Um, and that is like, hypothetically speaking, that was because all of the space between you guys, would that make you feel guilty? Um, I don't know. Cause it actually did happen. Like someone that was my best friend reached out yesterday and she basically expressed that she was angry that I don't want to move to Nashville with her anymore. Um, and kind of was like, you're picking Nick over me and I'm resentful about it. And I basically was like, I'm sorry, but like, one, I don't have the money to move anymore. Two, my relationship priorities have changed in the fact that like a few months ago, I didn't care if me and Nick had a future. Like I was kind of just like, la-di-da about the relationship. But now I'm at the point where like, I can see myself having a future with this person. And like, I'm not going to throw that away to move to a different state. So just, you know, so... I basically expressed that and then um, was like, I'm sorry. Like, I understand why you're feeling that way. Like I statements. 
And then she just stopped answering me. And um, I feel very indifferent about it. It kind of feels like a relief in one aspect of like, okay, I don't have to worry about that person anymore. But at the same time, it's like, I don't enjoy feeling indifferent about it because I like um, being compassionate to other people's feelings. And I used to feel like a very like sympathetic person. And now I just, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. And it's just like, why don't I care? So that's the what you just said actually just happened like this week um and and part of me also feels resentful towards this person because i'm like i'm putting myself first and my future first why can't you be happy for me so it's just a lot of in all contexts like mixed emotions all around in many different aspects of my life right now and it's kind of confusing i think that a question that should be asked more often, I feel like, should be, what purpose does this serve you? Because I feel like that is, like, point blank, a very powerful statement. Um, there's really no, like, other ways to interpret that. You know, it would be sort of cut and dry, like, this is what this serves me. Um, so in this case, with your with your friend and not moving to Nashville anymore. It didn't serve you any purpose anymore. Right. Um, and it's almost like she, she may have felt like, you know, it was something being taken away from her, not necessarily like your growth and, you know, where you are sort of in life. Um, and that just might be like someone else's defenses, you know, someone else's coping um, skills and mechanisms. And um, that's, it's, something to put in the back of your mind, you know, because how someone might react to you might not be the only, you, you, you might not be the only way that, or the only person that they react to in this way, you know, it might be just the world that they react to in this way. And it's the only way that they know how, um, which is understandable. Uh, but it's, it's difficult to sort of have to make that excuse for other people and they might not see eye to eye. Um, <clears throat> okay. So do you think that this person was, serving any purpose in your life? The person that you wanted to move to Nashville? Yeah, at one time, yes, definitely. Um, When we were both single, like it was really fun and we're very different people. And I've realized that we wouldn't even be good roommates either way because I went to, where did we go? The Poconos with her and Nick. And I just realized then like we probably wouldn't mesh while living together for a long period of time. But um, now that I'm in a relationship, like our, my, our friendship looks different um, because she's very focused on guys and dating. And like, that's not really obviously a priority of mine anymore. And it was awesome when I was single because we both like, I had this vision for my life that I was going to move to Tennessee and I was supposed to be with a guy that had a Southern accent. That was like my big thing. I was going to end up with like a cowboy Southerner and we were going to get married and live on a farm and live happily ever after. And she was very much like about that vision too. But I've realized like, why am I going to end my relationship with this guy that has so much to offer me? just to pursue a life I thought was meant for me. 
because maybe uh-huh. that life that I wanted isn't necessarily the life I was meant to have. So I'm not going to give up Nick and our relationship to go pursue someone in another state that might not even be there. So I tried to explain that to her and I don't know if she took well to it. So uh-huh. that's kind of where I am. Like where I was in November is very different from where I am now in March. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, if she can't understand that, then that's fine. Like, but I don't know if our, we've been friends for almost 15 years. So it's kind of like sucky to throw that away just because I don't want to move anymore. Uh-huh. But if it has to All end, right. it has to end. Like, it's okay. Uh-huh. Um, and how are you with forgiveness? You know, like, say this person is settled in and they're living their life in Nashville. Um, and they have time to reflect on their friends, which would be you. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you how do you come to an agreement with that? Would you keep this person in your life? Would you have them, like, re-enter your guard sort of up? No, I mean, if she, like, I have to do what's best for me. And if moving to Nashville alone is what's best for her, then so be it. We definitely Uh have different expectations in terms of like salary. You know, she wanted to buy a house for like $300,000 and here I am unemployed, not making any money. Like she makes very, very good money. So that's why I was like, maybe we're not going to mesh well together, you know, but in terms of Uh forgiveness, like, am I mad at her? No. Am I a little hurt? Yeah. But there's really no one that I've not forgiven like i except maybe one person um but in terms of forgiving people like i offer everyone forgiveness because we all want to be forgiven so why shouldn't we do that for others uh-huh. so i'm gotcha. not, yeah i'm not mad at her i guess i just right now i'm feeling kind of hurt and so is she which she's entitled to feel uh-huh. and does forgiveness mean that they still have a place in your life Uh, It depends. It depends what I'm quote unquote forgiving. Like my ex-boyfriend that used to like abuse me, I forgive him. Do I want him in my life whatsoever? No. God bless you. Um, This person, like we're not seeing eye to eye on something. So would I have them back in my life? Yeah. They didn't deliberately intentionally do something to hurt or harm me, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think it's different for different people. Um, still sticking on the topic of relationships. Oh gosh. Um, so we are at time. I would actually like to pick up on that because I'm oh. thinking of like different relationships that have affected you, like just throughout life and in different stages of your life, and what it's meant, and when you feel like you were hurt the most or happiest the most, and things along those lines. Yeah, we can definitely. And then we'll sort of circle back to grief in our next sessions.